Welcome to Journey Through the Bible with Joshua Smith. The Bible is the single most important book in history. It is the very words of God put on paper. In this podcast, we will walk through the pages of His Word as we seek to understand His message to us. In Isaiah 55:11, God says, My word that proceeds from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please, and it will prosper where I send it. As we study His Word, He will accomplish within us what He desires. That is our prayer. That is the journey. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to Journey Through the Bible with Joshua Smith. We are continuing our journey through the parables of Jesus, and tonight we're, we're going to talk about his prayer parables. Specifically, we're going to be in Luke chapter 11, verse 5 through 13, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 18, we're going to read kind of two separate passages in Luke 18. We're going to read verse 1 through 8, and then we're going to read verse 9 through 14. Now, I'm not going to read these individually like I have some in parables past. I think to this episode, the lessons are going to be found more in the conglomerate of the parables together. So I'm going to read each of these parables, and then we're going to dive in and look at what Jesus is telling us through them. So Luke chapter 11, verse 5 through 13 says this, And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence he will rise and give him whatever he needs. All right, then we move over to Luke chapter 18. Verse 1 through 8. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And then we just continue on to the next verse, verse 9 through 14. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be 
will be exalted. Now, I do have to say a couple of things about this last parable before we kind of get into the conglomerated lessons from them all. This, this last parable was told to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they treated others with contempt. And this is something that oh, it, it can happen so easily to us. It's so easy to forget where we received mercy and from whom we received mercy. And it, it is so easy to, to get caught up in this, I am saved and I am righteous And look at these unrighteous people around me. We look at this Pharisee and we're like, oh, we would never do that. This boy, we really, you know, we understand that this Pharisee is the bad guy in this parable. But I think we have a lot more in common with this Pharisee than sometimes we want to admit. I see this so much in the church, particularly in America. That's my context in which I'm in. So I see, I see this so much in the church in America where we, we look at the unrighteous. We look at the lost. And instead of looking at them and saying, oh, but for the grace of God, so go I. We look at them with anger because of what they are doing to our society. We look at them with this contempt because of the sin and the depravity that they are spreading across our culture. And we look at them and we're like, how dare you do this? How dare you bring that into our schools? And how dare you try to make this law? And how dare you act like that? And we, we, we place ourselves in this position where we think we've done something about our own unrighteousness, but we must never forget that I did nothing for my righteousness. My righteousness is a gift from God. My salvation is a gift from God. And because my salvation is a gift, it is a gift from God. I did nothing to earn it. I then have no I have no platform to stand on where I look at lost souls in any other way but love and compassion. Do we treat the lost with compassion or do we treat them with contempt? If we are focused on the temporal, there's going to be a lot of anger and a lot of contempt. But if we focus on the eternal... that changes how we treat those around us. But back to the parable, this this Pharisee felt that God owed him for his acts of seeming righteousness. Right? What does this Pharisee start? He's like, I am not like these other men. I'm not like these adulterers. And I'm not like even this tax collector here. And so because I've done something, now God, you owe me. If we ever get to this point in our life where we feel God owes us anything, we've crossed a line. And this is exactly the line that this Pharisee crossed. He felt that God owed him because of his works and because of what he was doing. But then we look at this tax collector. This tax collector knew that he deserved nothing and consequently he cried out for mercy. This thing that he did not deserve, he cried out for mercy. Now the the hearers, the initial hearers of this parable would have understood the following. They, they would have been at a public prayer time, which at the temple was 9 a.m. 
and it was 3 p.m. It was these times that was set aside for prayer in the temple. And so literally, I love the, I love the imagery of this. This, this sinner, this tax collector was crying, you know, have mercy on me. Literally like this, make atonement for me as he was in the place where blood was being spilt for atonement of sins. This is where we find the tax collector humbly crying, let that blood be for me. Nothing that he did, but just God have mercy on me. Now let's get into the parables as a whole. What, what is Jesus telling us about prayer? Now, one thing that these parables notably do not do is they don't tell us how to pray. This is not one, not one of those like Lord's prayer moments where the, you know, the Lord is teaching us how to pray. This is, these parables are saying more about who we are praying to and thus what that means for us than actually how to do it. So with that, let, let's look. What do these parables have to say about prayer? Well, how about the power of persistence? We see that in the Luke 11, 5 through 13 and the first eight verses of chapter 18. We see the power of persistence. Now, it would be easy reading these parables to assume that what we're, we're seeing is God needs to hear from us time and time and time and time and time and time again in order for us to receive anything from him. Right? It would be easy to look at these parables and say, okay, what God is teaching us is that he wants to hear from us you know, multiple times before he gives us anything. But folks, God is not reluctant to give us anything that we have to bug him. Here is the point. Persistence is not about God being reluctant. Persistence is about God knowing that our greatest need is not anything but himself. Our greatest need is God himself, and he knows that. And that is the point of persistence. Because persistence in prayer develops routines of intimacy. And these routines of intimacy ultimately result in us pursuing our greatest need, which is God himself. Right? So many times we come into prayer and we need something and, and they're, they're real needs. They, they're heartfelt needs. And God loves to give us good gifts. And so if we look at these parables the wrong way, we can have this picture of God as this reluctant giver. But God is not reluctant to give us any good gift. But God loves to fulfill our greatest need. And he knows that our greatest need is himself. And so if we are persistent in prayer, it is developing these routines of intimacy which lead us to God himself. These parables main thrust, they, they seem to be persistence in prayer, but even more than that, they're, they're a prelude to the following passage. It's the latter half of what we read, verse 9 through 13. We read about this un, uh, unwilling person, right? He's, he's in bed. I'm in bed with my kids. I'm not going to get up and give you anything. But eventually, because of this man's persistence, right, that he will get up and he will give him what he needs. The point is, if even a stubborn, unwilling neighbor will help, how much more will a willing, loving father help? Right? If, if 
our persistence, if we can get someone who doesn't want to do something to do something, then how much more, how much more will a willing, loving father who loves to give us good gifts be willing to help? That's the point. And I want us to notice how in prayer, Jesus uses the term father to address God. He tells us to do the same. And that is so important because that is foundational in prayer, as we've been saying. And that is the goodness of the father. We see that in these parables. We can see that the father can be trusted. If we are coming to prayer and we don't grasp that, we're going to be behind the eight ball right off the bat. But Jesus is telling us in these parables that, Your father is a good father and he can be trusted. Let's look at chapter 18, the the parable of this unjust judge, right? If we look at verse six through the first part of verse eight, what does Jesus say? He says, hear what the unrighteous judge says in parentheses, right? He's saying, I will give her justice. That's what he's saying in the verses past where Jesus says, hear what he says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cried him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Now, Jesus is using, he's obviously using rhetorical questioning, right? Here what the unjust says. Well, you know, if the unjust judge says, I will give justice, how much more will God, who is just, give justice, right? It's this. It's not that this is not a comparison. This is not a likening of God to an unjust judge that we have to be persistent and beat down his door to get what we need. This is not a comparison. This is a contrast. We we have to understand this is a contrast. It is a contrast between this unjust judge and God. And this contrast between this unjust judge who yet will do the right thing because of persistence. And thus, how much more will God who is just Give us justice. Luke chapter 11, verse 9 and 10 says, I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Father God can be trusted. He can be trusted to do what is best for us. He will be trusted to meet our greatest needs. We see the goodness of the Father, not only in the fact that He can be trusted, but we see the goodness of the Father and that He wants to give us good gifts. Luke chapter 11, verse 11 through 13, we read, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? I love love that because it gets us right back to the point of what is our greatest need? It is God Himself. Right? And so this verse is saying, hey, you know, you earthly fathers who are evil and you earthly fathers who who don't have all the answers, hey, you're you're still going to give your children good gifts. How much more will your heavenly father, who is absolutely perfect, who is just, who is kind, who is good, what's he going to give us? He's going to give us the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? Oh, the Holy Spirit, he, that is God himself. He is going to give himself to us. And so let's kind of circle back just to repeat this phrase. 
persistence is not about God not wanting to give us something. Persistence is about God wanting an intimate relationship with us. And he knows that our greatest need is himself. And so these persistent prayers, what are they going to do? They're going to develop routines of intimacy. And these routines of intimacy, they're going to lead us to God himself. And that's where we read, God loves us, loves giving us good gifts. He's going to give us himself. Now, persistence in prayer isn't the only thing we see here. We see the goodness of the Father and we see the importance of faith in prayer. Luke chapter 18, we read that when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? What is faith? I've always liked to define faith as this. It is believing that God is and trusting. It's more than belief. It's trusting that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he said he will do. Right. So when I'm coming to prayer and this ties right back into that persistence thing. I'm not trying to convince him. I'm not trying to change his mind. I'm coming into prayer with faith that he is exactly who he says he is. And he's going to do exactly what he says he's going to do. So I come to prayer and I come to prayer in faith knowing that he is a good father. And he's going to give you good gifts. He's going to give us good gifts. He is a good father and he knows what we need. And he's going to give us of his very being of himself. He's going to give us the Holy Spirit. Do we have the faith? Do we have faith in that? Do we come to prayer believing that he is and that he is rewarder of all who diligently seek him? And the latter last part that we see in prayer in these parables is the absolute lack of ability that we have to bring anything to the table. In that last parable, the Pharisee and the tax collector, the Pharisee surely thought he was bringing something to the table. And the tax collector knew he had nothing. And yet it was the tax collector who came away justified. It was the tax collector who came away with what he asked for. Because he knew there is nothing that I can bring to the table that means anything other than myself. I can bring my good works. I can bring my kindness and I can bring my intelligence and I can bring whatever else, fill in the blank. You can bring anything to the table. But you can do nothing to save yourself. You can do nothing to get yourself any closer to the kingdom of God other than give yourself up to the mercy of the Father. And through the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on our behalf, Hebrews tells us that now because of Jesus Christ, we have a high priest who goes before God uh, on our behalf, and now we can approach the very throne of God boldly. Right? Not through anything that we've done, but through the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. And so as you, as you pray, whatever that routine looks like for you, I want you to understand that persistence in prayer is not about convincing God to do something that he doesn't want to do. 
Persistence in prayer is much more about getting us in these routines of intimacy because God knows that what we truly need is himself. And prayer is going to show us that God is a good father who loves giving us good gifts and we can trust him and he's going to give us of himself. So you can have faith that when you come to God, he hears you and he's going to give you what you what you need. That may not always look like what you want. It may not always be a yes to what you're asking for. But it'll always be a yes to what you really need. Jesus, help us to remember that. And help us to come to prayer and come into prayer with faith that you are a good father and that you love us and you're going to give us good gifts. And Lord, help us to build these routines of intimacy that lead us to what truly is important and what our hearts truly long for. And that is you, oh God. Nothing else can satisfy. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.